podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield app, Neil Atkinson, Pauls, Cope and Senior with me for this one. Got Steve Armstrong coming up as well, a clip from a conversation I had with him earlier about Liverpool versus Manchester United or more accurately Man United versus Liverpool I always say Liverpool versus Manchester United I can't stop doing it I think it's because obviously you, you've got to give the primacy to the better and bigger club in these instances uh, and that's what, that's, that's what you mentally find yourself fall back and doing but before we talk about Liverpool versus Manchester United or by the other way around I want to talk about Southampton versus Liverpool and it was very much in that order if you're ranking those two sides that day Paul Senior um, Southampton are very unlucky in that game to, to find themselves only one ahead at half-time. Um, they possibly don't second-half kick on and put Liverpool under more pressure, but they still have the better chances. They still should uh, should should be coming to Anfield with more of a cushion. It's about the best possible 1-0 defeat that you could you, you could imagine this. Yeah, you don't, you'd almost celebrate that defeat, don't you? 1-0 um, in, the, in the circumstances, and only circumstances of our own of our own making, are, uh, seems like a good result. It was... Uh, I can only think really of of a, maybe Watford and maybe Newcastle last year being worst performance worst performances under Klopp. I there's I, I don't know whether it's just because there was Swansea, but there was loads of changes at Swansea. Yeah, well, Swansea, you, mean, you mean of a proper side? Yeah, towards the uh, Europa League final, wasn't it? Where where this was Liverpool, apart from the keeper, pretty much at the full strength he could have been, um, and. I'm not going to say the performance was unacceptable because we've been so so good this season and you you are allowed to have an off day on occasion and to be honest I'd rather we had them in the league cup than in the league but um, yeah the, Southampton Southampton deserved a, a better cushion to come back to Anfield now you you think if Liverpool turn up at, at Anfield and some of the performances we've seen at Anfield this season you're not too worried about a one nil defeat. The away goals don't count until extra time, do they? Nope. So there's a hundred and twenty minutes conceivably. Yeah, so I mean we, we can't we can't rely on that and hopefully, you know, we can sort of put a, a, a solid enough performance to beat them in ninety minutes, but if not, try and keep it to nil and uh and just beat them in over hundred and twenty. It's got to be the plan, Paul. But it was oh, it wouldn't work. Sorry. So, well, it's, got, it's got to be the plan, Paul. Cope, but it's it's a performance that it's almost worthy of a fair bit of dissection, really. In that it was the what worries me and what worries me now even is the complete lack of pace. That Liverpool looked one paced, and I think there's a variety of factors for that. I think there's there's the issue still it's that that the first choice centre half isn't playing. It's good to see that Paul Senior's taking his enormous winter jacket off here. Uh, settling down, <laughs> getting comfy, you can hear all that. It was the lack of Henderson, and then the fact that Lallana's playing higher. And then the fact that Sturridge himself wasn't able to display the pace that you maybe expect him to be able to, even post-injury. You know, across the board, Liverpool just looked looked really, really slow. Yeah, I, I had some conversations with people on Twitter after the game about all of this, and my, my take on it is whilst there's only a couple of players missing, two or three maybe uh, important ones, the, the knock-on effect that has to the rest of the start in eleven is huge. I, w- I was watching it saying after about 15, 20 minutes, you could almost, if you just put Henderson back in the midfield and then rotated everyone's position in the front six clockwise, this team would be better. And it'd look like it was quicker. And y- y- you could see it even when Coutinho came on. The pace, there's, there's different ways of looking at pace. There's, there's out and out pace in individual footballers. And then there's the pace at which you move the ball and your movement and your passing and all the rest of it. And we didn't have any of either in, in that game and that was the worrying thing but there were so many mitigating factors for that whilst it was 
worrying to watch. And you could see in Klopp's reaction to the game afterwards, he said he's not used to watching his teams react so badly to conceding a goal. I think it's worrying for one game. I don't think it necessarily uh, warranted the, the reaction that it's had, which is sort of total meltdown in, in lots of courses. Do you think it's had total meltdown? I, 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 I haven't really seen total meltdown. I think, I think maybe on the night, I think Twitter and social media sort of blows things up a little bit, yeah. doesn't it? But I, I, don't, I don't think people were, were in total... I think there was a target for the sort of... How can I put it? There was a target of the of the abuse that came out of the game, and you know, Emery Chan got the majority of it. I I just don't think you can put in this Liverpool side. You can go from being Wijnaldum, Henderson, and Lallana to having a, a midfield that's got Chan and Lucas in it. And I, I thought Wijnaldum was a passenger throughout the game. But I think he sort of got away with it a little bit. But I, th- I I I don't know whether you can play the style of football, the brand of football that Liverpool have been playing this season under Klopp. And and have them two players playing in the same side. It's it's it, they're almost like the antichrist of the system. They're not they're not mobile. Lucas has never really been that mobile, despite when he was a very good centre midfield centre midfielder, I should say. Um, I, I I don't know how you can be what's the word? You can be pressing and high intensity with Chan and Lucas. I just think it's impossible. I agree, but I, I think that the knock on point I'm I'm referring to as well is you then have Lalana playing. In Mane's position, yes, and in that position, Lalana is nowhere near as good no. as, as Mane. So, we've we've seen in the past with Klopp this a sort of philosophy that he'd rather leave players where they've been playing and not move everybody around. And I think that changed for Southampton. I think we, we, when I first saw the team sheet, I was wondering whether he was going to play three at the back because we've not really seen him play Lucas in midfield. And then I was thinking to myself, well, well, if he has a good game, maybe he's thinking, well, if Henderson doesn't make United, Lucas will be there. Mm-hmm. But completely agree with Paul that the problem with that. I mean, we've we've seen it earlier in the season when Lalana just drops out of that midfield, and you've got Wijnaldum and Chan as two of the three. It's not the same. It doesn't have the. It's it's not as dynamic. It's not as quick. Having Lucas, Chan, and Wijnaldum just doesn't give you what you need in this team. And then Lalana in that is, more advanced position. This is where I think I'm to stay on you on your on this one, here, Paul Cope. This is where I think what what troubles is the wrong word, but. A lot of what the manager's done really, really well this season is effect can, uh, can almost, almost be be defined, and it isn't this simple. And if he was sitting, he'd laugh his head off at me. But can be defined about the idea of moving certain lads fifteen yards back. Mm-hmm. That that's made a massive that playing playing some players fifteen yards deeper than you might normally expect them has actually led to Liverpool being able to play more intensity, more pace, etc., etc. That's what's happened. Yep. That's what you've seen. Now it's obviously far more complicated than that. What worried me about Southampton, in a sense, was we sort of reverted to everyone just sort of went back to normal. Yeah, and that's I think that's where there's where you know for instance there might need to be a bold decision or two made here and there you know in terms of saying well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compromise Lallana in the midfield I'm just not gonna compromise it under any circumstances now I think he might actually compromise it this weekend against United <clears throat> and he possibly you know he'll have his reasons for that and he'll be able to point at previous things like Man City away last season and all that sort of stuff and say that's why but I almost think he's it's it, it is sort of going well then my hole is somewhere else mm-hmm. so if the most I'm prepared to do is for instance play Emre Chan at the base rather than Lucas and I play Lucas at centre half because that's what I've decided I'm playing Milner at left back I'm not compromising any of this and so what I'll have to do is I'll have to solve that problem in front I'm not going to move Lallana <clears throat> I'm not going to move Vinaldum so where's my problem suddenly become well it becomes the fact that I've got no Mane Coutinho's not back fully fit yet so I'll solve those problems and instead I think what, what, what got me from the selection and you saw it in the performance 
is in trying to solve one or two problems, he actually left Liverpool with three or four. Yeah, completely. And I, that's what surprised me more than anything else, I think, is is that revert to everyone just playing the position. But it comes back to something we, we've discussed in the past on the review show with Sean. This is this is the difference between real life football managers of real life footballers and what we all get to do, of which course, is yeah. which is fantasy football. And the reality is, doing what we're talking about doing, which which I'd have advocated, means that you write down your players on a team sheet and you've got a hole on the right side of your front three, <coughs> and then you've got to say, well, how do I fill that hole? And my I would say, well, your better solution to that is play Ojo, and he might say to me, Ojo's not ready for this, mate. He, he, he's just He's, he's been out and last year if it was this time last year and he'd, he was playing well and he'd had a few games I'd have put him in or I'd have at least considered it yeah but it, but he's not ready for it so that means then I've got to solve that problem and it, it, it sometimes we've talked about this as well you, you sometimes do you start from the back or do you start from the front and whichever way you go you're going to end up with problems somewhere so you start from the front and you say okay I'll solve these problems first so my best front three is going to be Sturridge, Firmino and Lalana. That's my best front three. I'll go with that. Under the circumstances, what I can pick, I think that's my best front three. Exactly. And then you, as you're working backwards through the team, you're then going to yourself, oh, I'm going to have to play. I've got to play Lucas in centre-mid then, haven't I? Because if I play him in, in uh, centre-back, who plays centre-mid? And if I've got Chan there, and again, we might then say, you and I might say, well, I'd play Chan at the base and I'd play Ajaria, right side of midfield. But he might say, but Ajaria played against Plymouth and he, he put a lot into it and he's tired and he's a kid. So we can't expect him to play. And this is where in the real life world of football management, it's a lot more difficult. I think that's that's one of the things to take from the game, Paul Senior. I think as well, the other thing to take from the game is is that importance that Liverpool have got around sort of both pace and intensity. That that I mean, I think you can say that of a lot of football sides, but then I've seen Liverpool sides that aren't that are able to be very, very solid but not particularly intense get results in football matches. So it's not it's not that it's the only way to play, far from it. But it is more and more looking Paul Cope like it's the only way for Liverpool to play that if they can't do that intensity, if they can't do or if they can't be that 100 mile an hour football team, that there's, there isn't really, you know, I mean, I remember under a number of managers, we've had chats about plans B and all this sort of stuff, but there isn't a plan B beyond be the hardest working, most intense, fastest side on the pitch. I, th- I think that's true for a lot of the time, but I've, we've seen a lot, we've seen a lot of football in the past couple of months where our main Part of the game has been keeping hold of the ball. Oh, definitely, and, and, definitely. and possession football. And the, I think the but problem it's been moving it fast though. Exactly, but and the, with the problem with that is it all comes back to the same thing, which is just the eleven lads on the pitch. Because if you want to dominate a game by keeping hold of the ball, you need to move the ball quickly. You're not going to move the ball as quickly with Lucas and Chan in your midfield as you are going to do with Henderson, Lalana in your midfield. It's just not going to happen. The players, you, you can be the greatest coach in the world, but ultimately Chan and Lucas in those two positions are not as effective as Henderson and Lallana, either for pressing or for pass and move. Because the reality is, and th- th- this was discussed on, on Twitter with a few people afterwards as well, you can talk about passing stats, but you can only pass as well as the movement around around you allows you to pass. And the reality is Henderson moves the ball quicker than Chan. But Lallana has got better movement than Chan or Lucas. So when Henderson's in that position, it's easy for him to find a pass. When you move Lallana into the front three and your midfield three is Wijnaldum, Chan and Lucas, it makes the whole enterprise more difficult. No matter which which angle you look at it, whether it's pressing or passing the ball, 
it makes everything more difficult. Last thing on that game before uh, we br- firstly bring Paul Senior back into the room as he's had to go outside because he's about to cough himself to death. Uh, poor Paul here trying to do his best on the radio. Uh, before we, uh, you know, before we b- begin to draw a little bit of a veil over it, is firstly that it's worth pointing out that first half Southampton actually played very, very well. Yeah, and I think that that's something that you can overlook. You can presume that Liverpool should always be able to be better, but as part of that, Southampton are a good side. We've said before, Southampton are a good side. They're a good side, well prepared, played well. The one thing you could see again was by 70, they've got sentiments going down with cramp. That was one of the things that stood out for me, that again, that's how much they've got to put into the game. And we can just sort of think, well, that's, you know, oh, well, that's just them being ill-prepared, but it's not. It's the intensity that they felt they needed to show in order to get a result out of the game. <clears throat> and that's one of the reasons why, again, it's a reminder, though, that, that sides are perhaps more and more aware of that in the advance of the game now, that maybe we had a, maybe our intensity and our level came as a shock to people in September and October, but now... You know, it was a, it was a quick sub. The manager knew exactly what he was doing, almost as though at some point in that game he was going to throw Holberg on anyway because mm-hmm. likes were going to go. And there's now sides I think who are coming into these games against Liverpool thinking we've got to not just match them, but we've got to surpass them. And if we can do that, then you never know where we'll be in the match. And tactically, that's a bit of a concern for me. Yeah, but but then on the flip side of that, the from from it being a concern, I loved Klopp's quote afterwards of losing one nil is literally the third best result you can have in football. So you can win, you can draw. If you're going to lose, getting beat 1-0 is the, is the next best result. And they're looking at that game thinking, we've put so much into this game that we're going down with cramp on 60 and we've come out with a 1-0 win. So if you're sitting from their end looking at this, you're not confident coming to Anfield, I wouldn't imagine. Because they, can, they, can, they come off the pitch, they assess that game, they say, well, we put the same into it again at Anfield. Well, our lads already know that at 60, which of their lads are going to start cramping up? And I think the, the shock for, for Klopp that I referenced before was the way we reacted to going a goal down. But also we didn't then, as, as they were tiring, we didn't impose ourselves on the match. So you can, you can guarantee, because we've, we've bounced back from every bad result this year really well, you can guarantee we won't make those mistakes again in the second leg. So when they start cramping up at 60 next time, if they've put that much in, which I would imagine they will because we'll still have more of the ball and all the rest of it, I would, I would predict that you will see us do a lot more in the last half an hour of the, of the, of the main 90 minutes than we did in the first leg. OK, this is the Anfield Rap, Neil Atkinson, Paul Cope, Paul Senior, back amongst us. We'll be back after the break. We're going to begin to talk about what that Southampton game tells us about the Manchester United game. Welcome back. That's David Bowie's golden years there. This is Neil Atkinson, Paul Cope, and Paul Senior. Paul Senior's returned, uh, possibly from the dead. We'll, uh, we'll get, <laughs> get clarification on that in a second, whether or not he's Lazarus-like. Um, but uh, we're talking about what to, what, what to take from the Southampton game. Manchester United played against Hull. Toiled a little bit. We saw a fair bit of that second half, actually, Paul, uh, live. Watched, the, watched that unfold. And they're, 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 they're a funny side. We're going to hear from Steve Armstrong in a few minutes. But they're a funny side, United, at the moment, in that they, they've, got, they've got all the parts... The winning games, they're not necessarily looking absolutely unbelievable, but they're clearly they're clearly a very, very good team. And if there's something they'll take from the Southampton game, as I was saying to Paul Cope before, it's the idea of that you can start quick, you can disrupt this Liverpool side, you can make it a little bit trickier for them than they might like, you can get at them in, 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 in bits and pieces of wide areas, but that there's something else you can do as well, which is you can just sort of keep knocking at the door and keep it a bit solid at the minute. That's now become a little easier against Liverpool because they're not quite attacking with the same fluency. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I was speaking to a Manchester United fan before I came here, our head chef and work, and he was... He was saying that he feels this is the best Manchester United side and period of football he's seen since since Ferguson, since he won the league. 
So they they're really confident. He he was really really confident. They're wa- they're, they're weary of, of Liverpool, but I mean, I, I I don't really know how to how to summarise them. Where I, I think they're really good, but they let themselves down. That might be where where I'm at with United. I think they've gone through a spell since I think it was since they played Fenerbahce or something that that they've just consistently won football matches and that's obviously building confidence and. Liverpool have had a shaky few weeks, um, maybe a shaky month, and I, I think they're they're buoyed by that. But coming coming into the fixture, I think you know the, Liverpool in this little mini league that seems to be getting spoken about so much. They're the real games where I think Liverpool have really performed, and I mean we've seen great periods of football, Middlesbrough away in the second half, and, and Leicester at home and whatnot, where you've where Liverpool have blown sides away. But I think the real Steel you've seen in Liverpool is getting Chelsea away, um, Manchester City at home, even even Tottenham away to a certain extent, where you've gone. Actually, this Liverpool side can have it with the big boys. Where I feel like in the last few years we've almost been pretending we've we've performed against the big sides, but I think this year we've really matched them. So United are really really big test for us. They are a really but, big test for us, but I'm, I'm I'm still not not confident, even despite them winning tons of football matches and us having a bit of a wobble. It's it's, it's strange, isn't it, Paul Cup? I mean, it's the United side that, for instance, hasn't lost a league game since October the twenty third, uh, which is you know it's an impressive run. Mm. Um, it's not lost a game full stop since the third of November. Um, it's now won nine on the bounce. I mean, you can't do much more in in, in terms of putting your credentials down and saying what you're about than that. Simultaneously, I think it's almost, for a while, what they were doing well was getting lost in the wash because everybody else is playing as well as they can. We're in a funny situation. You almost forget that Man City are only two points behind you at this stage. The whole nature of the way this league's panning out this season with this top six, ten points spanning those top six places and everyone effectively going at two points a game. It means it's almost become hard to, to, to take... to to get a get get a read on what shape everybody's in, and that, that's not normally the case after twenty games. But at the minute, it does feel like it is. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy league season, and it's it's going to be right right the way up to the end. I think it what's happened to Spurs in and United in the past in the past few weeks has been really interesting because no one paid any attention to either of them because they were they were, everyone just had them psychologically. It's been so far adrift, and everyone's looking at Chelsea and concentrating on this league run. And will they beat the record? And then all of a sudden, when Chelsea's run ends, you look at Spurs and United and go, "Oh right, my, my <laughs> they've been doing that." Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's almost they've almost done it by stealth. And I've got, my mate who's a City fan messaged me before to say if City lose against Everton, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, and if United beat us. That puts United right on them. Level on points. So, uh, which which he was saying, it, I remember saying this about 13, 14, the points don't add up. Like, that can't possibly be right. Someone needs to go back and, and do an audit on, on the league points. <laughs> but but that's what, that, the reality about these leagues are, any league, you put a run together like United have put together and you will start reeling people in. And, and the reality is for us, looking at Chelsea above us, we, we will at some point in this season need to go on a winning run the way Chelsea have and the way United now have. The interesting thing for me about United is, and it'll be interesting to hear what Steve Armstrong's got to say, I remember you speaking to him months ago before this run started, and he said, do you know what? Most United fans are really relaxed. All of this sort of national stuff Mm -hmm. about uh, Mourinho hasn't done it yet, and it's not really (coughs) coming together. He was saying, it is, you know, just don't don't rule us out just yet. We're, We're all actually quite comfortable with what's happening. So what's happened since then? 
to stay obviously isn't isn't a surprise at all. I think what what's happened is United Ferguson. I keep calling him Ferguson, which was Freud in itself, isn't it? <laughs> Mourinho is as in imprinted on that United team his style he's got his, his man in Ibrahimovic and, and Pogba and he's adding a little bit more flair than he than he's had in the past I think but ultimately that th- there's, there's an argument that, that suits us going into this game on Sunday He he's going to want to beat us when we kick off that might change as the as the game unfolds but he wants to beat us in that game and for, as Paul said earlier the games where we've really come to the fore this year against our biggest rivals. So this could be just what we need. As long as we've got... If, if Henderson plays, I think that's the big one for us. If Henderson plays, this it could be it could be a good setup for us to have a really good performance. It's the it's the fact that you've... You, I, I mean, I, I, all of these games now, for instance, we could be going to Stamford Bridge. We could be going to the Emirates. We could be going to White Hart Lane. Paul Senior, we could be going to any of these gaffes, and you'd, you'd, I'd feel the same way. I think we could be going right now. We could be, you know, given the, the results against Southampton, I'd feel much the same way. Which is, I expect us to give a really good account of ourselves. That's, I think, that's the first point on this: is that we'll win, lose, or draw, Liverpool give a really good account of themselves. We'll come out the other side, sort of feeling as though that's happened. And that, I wonder if that's sort of part of what was in the slight lethargy you saw against Southampton is that Liverpool have Liverpool know what the bread and butter is this season even even playing a strongish side against Southampton Jurgen Klopp's got I, th- I suspect has got his team very clear on what the bread and butter is this season they know that Sunday's game is the bigger game which works in Southampton's favour as that game wears on obviously but I you know you don't expect to see Liverpool turn up and and you've seen flat Liverpool sides good Liverpool sides go to Old Trafford and be flat and I don't expect to see that here no, 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 I don't see that. I think, um, how can I put it? I think Liverpool should be uh, buoyed by, obviously, the, the last time we went to Old Trafford and won the Europa League, but this is a different proposition, of course, with Mourinho and <clears throat> Pogba and Zlatan and the like. My 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 only concern is, is that when they came to Anfield, I thought we were as good as we've been for a very long time as as Liverpool. And they sort of nullified us. They're at home, the, the pressure's on them a little bit, but that doesn't often change Mourinho. I think Mourinho could happily go into a home game and play as the away side. Can he do that as Manchester United with Liverpool coming? Yes, I think he can. He can, I, yeah. I, I think that's a lot harder. I, I, I honestly think he doesn't care. I honestly think he doesn't care. I, I understand what you're saying. The, pre- the pressure would be on to go and put on the show. But I think if he can get out of there and scrape a 1-0 win... By Mourinho in it, you know the same as what he did to Liverpool in thirteen. 14. But is that a hard sell to his players? You've just won nine <laughs> on the bounce. You got and, and, and listen. I know, could, I know what, you, what you're saying. You I just won nine on the bounce. You're, nine, you're all footballers. You, you're Paul Pogba. You, you, you know, you've seen what you can do. I think it becomes. I think when you go into Anfield early in the season, you're on a bit of a rope. You run, yada yada yada. The buy-in's much easier. I think the idea that now you do that, they're on our ground. I, I I'm just. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm saying it becomes a harder sell internally, and it becomes a harder sort of long-term sell if you. Mourinho because you want to say where Man United we want to be the best club in the world yes and I, I, the, the Manchester United fan I was speaking to he was saying I want us to play Pogba I want us to play play Pogba as the 6 with Herrera as the 8 I, I want him to play Mkhitaryan I want him to play Martial I want him to play Zlatan he, he wants them to play the side um, that, that he thinks should be sweeping sides, teams aside at Old Trafford and then I said to him do you think he will and he went no I think, I think he'll shore it up Let's find out what Steve Armstrong thinks just after this. This is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Back in a sec. So joined now by Steve Armstrong. Always good to speak to Steve and 
frankly, a man vindicated by Manchester United's now nine wins on the bounce. They were always playing well. They were playing well whilst they were drawing games. Uh, and now they find that they've turned, they've turned those, those draws into, into victories and they're, they're playing good stuff, if not consistently very good stuff. Yeah, I think the, the performances have been much, much better, but we all saw that coming during what was a bit of a dark end of September, sort of right into October period. Where, But ultimately, when you're having 40 shots on target, um, you know that, um, that that's always going to create a buzz in the crowd. So everybody was generally pretty calm about that. Um, I've, I've said, um, I'm, I'm doing a little piece for your website, actually, and I think I've said in there, the crowd and the support were actually a lot calmer about things than the manager was at the time. Um, because ultimately they saw the performance coming. But I think what's really been the big difference in the last... I mean, you make the point about, you know, we're on this good run, but if you actually look at who we've played during them games, probably with the exception of Spurs at home, you'd probably have said, well, you know, I should have won all of them games. Um, and and I, think you'd be, I think you'd be right in saying that. The game coming up at the weekend is probably, out of all of them, you know, the first real big test that we've had against a serious rival. Uh, well, um, you got the win against Spurs, I would say. You know, you've mentioned that in there, and, and the first half especially, you played very well in patches. I thought against Spurs and, and Liverpool and Spurs, there's a lot of similarities. So I, I, I'd possibly be expecting a similar sort of approach. Yeah, maybe. I mean, but to me, it's, it's what you do when you're not playing very well. I think signifies how far a club's come. Mm. Um, and the thing that you know, we didn't play great at Palace, and then had the sucker blow of a late, a fairly late equaliser, and then went on and won that game. You know, we had the scenario against Middlesbrough where we didn't play great. We didn't play bad, to be honest. But we, again, it sort of strained back into Burnley at home, Everton away territory. But they managed to dig a win out of that. And I think, you know, it's that character that has been lacking in United in the last, you know, three seasons, particularly that never-say-die attitude that was always synonymous under Ferguson. Because let's be honest, you know, Ferguson's teams were brilliant largely, but they didn't play brilliantly every game. And they certainly in games, they were brilliant. And it wasn't sustained from more, you know, from kickoff till full time. There was always periods in there where they were up against it. But the one thing that they showed throughout Ferguson's era was the character of not knowing when you're beaten. And mm-hmm. I think that returning to United's armory, I think I'd be more worried about that as, a, as, a, as an opponent than I probably would be about the fact that they've got a good manager and good squad players. I think there was an expectation more than anything else that at some point they're going to start playing good football and start winning games of football. It's that attitude and that mentality that's returned that I think is probably one that I'd fear more than anything else if I was sat in the camp of not wanting United to do very well. It's something which I think the managers obviously look to install, but the, he's picked his players who sort of suit that as well. I think that's the other thing to take is that we've, we've had these conversations throughout the course of his reign that it becomes clearer and clearer who he fancies and why. And, you know, the the, the, the strong lads and strong characters, I'd say, in, in the interview in United We Stand, which is brilliant, by the way, and the whole of the last issue was terrific. Um, but in the interview with United We Stand, he's interested when he's talking about physical physical prowess you know he, he he ends up focusing on speed I, I think Andy Mitten makes the point to him that he's gone he, he, he likes a big lad but he goes mm-hmm. on to extend that into he does like a big lad but he also wants them to be able to have speed of thought and have speed uh, speed on the pitch and that's that's something which has come which has come across to me watching United over the last the last sort of 12-13 uh, games is more and more with the exception of Carrick he's playing as faster and faster lads whenever he can what Mourinho's always been for me is, is Ferguson was just very, very good at his probably one style of attack and one style of playing football and just did it so good that doesn't it very rarely came un, unstuck tactically. You'd think probably Ferguson had two types of performance in his locker, but it was brilliant at him. You, you, you get the sense with Mourinho that he's got 10 or 12 really good tactical games in his locker that he can pull out and plug in 
depending on what's needed. And I think this is where he wants every, he wants a squad that's got every single type of footballer in. He wants the small and finesse. He wants the bulldozing attacker. He wants the tall front man. You know, he wants the tricky winger. He wants all of those things. And he wants to plug in and play. And I think one thing that he found challenging, I think, in that period where it just wasn't clicking was, and I think I said it to you on here a few times, he was just trying to work out what's going to work best at what time. And I think the change recently has been more down to, he started to work out that, well, actually, Phil Jones and Rocco might be the partnership going forward at centre-half. Yeah. Maybe maybe Daly Blind at left-back is, is, the, is, is the answer there. Maybe, maybe the, um, that, that Herrera and Pogba thing, which he probably didn't look at at the start, is the way forward. He started to just work out, I think, who fits best with who and in what type of game. And I think that's definitely what's all come together. But I think he, I think he likes every type of player. He, he seems to get typecast a little bit with the physicality side, the big tough. I mean, I mean, when you give him, I mean, you give, you know, it looks like he's given Fellaini an extra year at United, which a lot of people are frothing at the mouth at for obvious reasons because he's not exactly the darling of the crowd. But I completely get it. He brings a unique type of football <laughs> and a unique style in certain games, and there's going to be certain games and circumstances where that's going to really count. You saw that midweek, I thought. I mean, I think that there's there's often different ways in which you can you can take the way in which a player celebrates when he celebrates with a manager. For instance, going back to when Gerrard scored for Liverpool 15 years ago now, and he runs to Julier as if to say that one was for you, Gaffer, because Julier was under pressure at the time. Well, Mourinho's not under pressure. Fellaini runs to Mourinho because it's clear you told me to do this, Gaffer. I've done it, and we've scored, and we've scored. Yeah. Not just not just me, we, me and you, we scored that goal because you said at some point in the game you'll do this, you'll peel off here. There's 15 to go. This is what I'm throwing you on to do. And look, look at that. It worked. And I, I thought that was absolutely crystal clear. And it was a great example of what you're saying and what you're saying in the context of Fellaini. It was that's what I want you to do. He's done it, and therefore the player's delighted. And he goes and congratulates the manager. Yep, yeah, spot on. Although it has yielded a sizable number of very, very unfortunate photographs, hasn't it? Which uh, I, haven't <laughs> of them, I haven't done either of them any credit. Um, yeah, I'd rather they've done it in the dressing room personally. But uh, but yeah, uh, spot on. And listen. That's the kind of... I mean, I made a comment on Twitter last night about this contract. One thing Mourinho has absolutely done, I think, he's, he's, he, he, if we're going to use Animal Kingdom terminology, he's marked his territory big time. He's taken on a couple of... You know, he's, he's, put, he's put Schweinsteiger in his place and he keeps messing with his head in quite a spectacular way. I mean, that's... You know, he's put Rooney firmly in the, in, in the place where his performances have married it. Although I do think Rooney's played particularly well for six or seven games now and he's definitely knocking back on the, squad, on the starting door. He's done it with the people like Shaw. He's done it with everybody. I think that was his now. That was his marker down to the supporters as well. As in, look, you know, thanks for all the support when I was finding life a bit hard. But I'm in charge now. I know what I'm doing, and everybody's going to do as I say. Um, you know, and I think the I think the Fellaini example was that. I mean, he made a comment about the atmosphere at the whole game, which wasn't about the whole game at all. It was just, it was almost like a call to arms to um, to raise the bar. Um, for the Liverpool game, which was understandable, um, he wasn't slagging off the atmosphere against all at all. But, but it just showed the confidence of the man that he's now saying, "I've got the squad where I want it. I think the board are where I want them to be. I can now start dictating what I want the supporters to do as well." And that's the sign of an incredibly confident manager. That. And the other thing to point out as well is he's come out the last couple of days and made the point that he, he did the, this window for United's about accumulating the pounds to attack later, which is an, attack in the summer, which is an interesting way to phrase it. But I think that there's there's little doubt about that. You, you've been saying it for a while. The outs are going to be more interesting than the ins. And Schneid, Schneidlin's the first one. I don't think he's going to be the last. 
Yeah, although I think, I mean, I feel, I, I remember, I did a show with you and Sean Rogers, Yonks, back, I think, when the rumour was around that Schneiderlin was going to come to United. And, you know, Sean's obviously, you know, he's forgotten more about football than I could ever possibly know. But, you know, when he said, that's the kind of signing I would fear that United <clears> do, I, I was genuinely, I was genuinely excited about what he would bring to United. It just hasn't happened. Um, and I think it's that, there's no doubting that he's a very, very talented footballer who can do a great job. I just think the huge club mentality is overawed him and he's just never, ever got going at any point. And it's a shame that that's not worked out for him. But I think £22 million, i.e. a loss of £2 million, is an unbelievably good bit of business for United. Um, yeah. So I think they've done. I think it's job done on that one. Um, obviously, yeah, I'd expect there to be a couple more. Whether they end up being permanent deals or not, I'm not overly sure. Uh, I mean, the next one probably in the line of fired is probably Memphis Depay. Um but I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I know he's kind of been linked. He's also been linked with Evan. Um, he's been linked with a couple of other people. I think West Ham was another club that stuck the hooter in on that one. But, uh, I mean, God, no, no one's going to get out at the minute, are they? So, well, um, I do expect there to be more. But um, And it's interesting you use that kind of generation of cash. I don't think United are ever going to be in a position where they have to generate cash to do whatever it is in the summer but um, it does I think the, the thing I took out of that comment was more about he's not looking to just loan people out and bring them back he's actually looking to move people off full stop yep. um, so yeah yeah, I think we can definitely see a few more of them What side do you think you're going to see at the weekend? Um, I think the keeper's obvious yeah. um, so um, so the, I think that sorts itself out So um, is the right back frankly these days? He's in, he's, I mean it's incredible Um I mean, the thing is, he's, he's, also, he's, he's right back and at the same time right wing. He's not like he's... I mean, he's getting forward to just as much as he did when he was a right wing. I mean, he's an incredible player. You know, if you say to me now, give the player of the season award out for United, he'd win it hands down for me. He's been he's been outstanding as Valencia. And, you know, he's a great physical specimen. I think he's a brilliantly athletic player. Um, he's got fight in him. He's tough. He's, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of things in him. So, yeah, I think absolutely... Um, Phil Jones has come back into the side and done incredibly well, um, you know, and um, you know that's obviously been a, a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Rocco, if it should start, because them as a partnership, I would worry if Phil, if Chris Smalling starts. I think he's very, very easy to get at as a defender. He's just, he's, you know, he's not my, he's not, he's not for me. Um, so I would hope that Rocco starts. Um, I would go with Daly Blind in a game of that magnitude. I think him not playing the other night almost suggested that you're gonna you're gonna play the weekend. Um, just mm-hmm. Armian, I don't think he's not a bad defender, but he does give you the the, the the strength of attack going forward. You can bet your bottom dollar that Michael Carrick will play because when Michael Carrick plays, Manchester United play well. When Michael Carrick doesn't, it's usually the other way around. So his lack of presence the other night suggests he's going to be in there. Pogba will be in there for obvious reasons. You'd expect Herrera to play. Um, I would anticipate Matt being on the bench. Um, obviously, Ibrahimovic, who'd been playing the night, will be there. I think you're then looking at plugging a couple of other gaps. Um, personally, I'd expect to see Anthony Martial in the side because I think he's give, he gives us real pace up front on the left side. That and has looked good against Klein in the past. Well, he absolutely has, yeah. Um, and I think I think there's, there's that to bear in mind. The interesting one for me the other night, obviously Mkhitaryan got took off after you know, 65, 70 minutes. So, you know, that's him clearly going to figure in some way, shape or form. And again, he's become, well, he's on the, he's on the cover of the new United we stand, which I should say he's out at the game on uh, Sunday. Um, if anybody's passing and wants to buy one, um, 
he's on the cover of that, which again is always a you know it's usually a good sign that um, that you know that the, the support's re- giving recognition of uh, of performances. The the one that really surprised me the other night was Wayne Rooney getting subbed after 60 minutes in a game where ultimately you know everybody was looking at these two cup games and saying right Wayne, there's your chance, go and get your two goals, and then obviously we can put that to bed and see how we're going to go forward in life. I I would have I personally was gobsmacked when the board went up taking him off. Because ultimately, that was just almost like a, a, a gifted opportunity for him to finally break this goal-scoring record. But to take him off after 60 minutes, um, when ultimately, you know, Marcus Rashford at the time was probably the player that you would have took off um, for, from a performance point of view. It wasn't performance-related. And that made me think, is Rooney going to have some kind of say in this game? I'd be surprised if he starts, but... It's very, very obvious to me that Wayne Rooney, um, who has played well for six or seven games now, he just can't get in the team um, properly. I think he's he's definitely higher up the manager's thinking than perhaps he would have been. And I just thought that substitution was just odd the other night mm-hmm. um, in the context of the game and everything that was going on around the game. There was absolutely no need to take him off in the context of that game. So for me, there was a bit of a statement that, look, mate, I need you in I need you, I need you, you in some capacity, in quite a big capacity this weekend. Whether that's somebody who he's going to start with, because obviously it's Wayne Rooney, he's got a record to chase. I think if you were to write down all of the clubs for Wayne Rooney to break that record against, you know he's going to be at the very, very top of that list. I think... I wouldn't be surprised if Wayne Rooney popped up as a star, um, but I think if he is a sub, I think he'll have a, I think he'll have, um, I think he'll have a definite big say in the game. Yeah, but uh, you can expect a strong United team, no doubt about it. And I would expect United to go into that game with a lot more swagger, a lot more confidence. And for me, this is about. I said it on our podcast the other night. It wasn't so much about winning the semi-final um, the other night. It was about maintaining the, probably the first bit of momentum that we've built up for three seasons now yeah. in terms of consistency of wins and performances I think you could probably say the same about about this game as well it's about maintaining the strong momentum because you know momentum that gets broken you don't know you don't know how long sometimes people bounce straight back but sometimes it can take ages to recover so I'm looking at United really expecting to go at Liverpool and it's almost like role reversal for what happened at Anfield um, we'd kind of find ourselves a little bit disjointed and, and not we, we weren't going into that game in a confident way. Liverpool were pretty much smashing in everything outside that was put in front of them. You could almost say going into this game, Liverpool have hit a bit of a wall um, mm-hmm. and that United are now getting the team that going into that with real, real swagger. If that was Mourinho, I'd be saying... I mean, you heard me say I, I pinpointed that 0-0 at Anfield as the game that kicked Liverpool right squarely where it hurts. Um because, you know, they should have walked that game against United. And it was almost like you could see the frustration in the crowd, the manager, the performances. I think Mourinho will be saying, don't let what we did to Liverpool happen to you this weekend. And I think United will send a strong side out and go about it with, uh, with a lot of attack. And, um, you know, the, the other thing to bear in mind from Liverpool's point of view as well, United have started scoring early and started scoring late. And again, something I'm, I'm, I've said that's going on your website is, Liverpool are going to have to deliver a performance of unbelievable strength and concentration that lasts for a whole 90 minutes if they're going to get anything out of the game at Old Trafford. It's been a long time since I've been able to say that about playing United at Old Trafford. Prediction? <laughs> um, can I tell you, you'll never guess by changing the subject. Guess what we're doing the day before? We're going to see somebody in concert. Are you ready for this? Go on. David Icke. <laughs> 
Well, that's absolutely crazy. That's absolutely <laughs> crazy, Steve. Well, and, it's, it's going to be the most mental weekend. So, in terms of prediction, listen, by Sunday night, I can think everybody in the world is a lizard. So, uh, <laughs> I've, I've absolutely no idea what I'll come out with that. But uh, it's going to be a heavy weekend, that's for sure. Um, in terms of prediction, uh, I, I think United will win by two. Um, United and, by two. Yeah, I, I think when you're looking at the bookies odds, United United are still odds against for a home win. You know, I think it's twenty one to twenty for United win, twelve to five to draw Liverpool thirteen to five. I mean it's pretty tight. But I think the bookies there are looking at what Liverpool perhaps were five or six games ago and potentially what United were five or six games ago. I actually think the gap on in terms of where the clubs are at at the minute in current form and performance probably mindset. I think the gap's got a lot wider than that. So I think United have got to uh, have got to capitalise on where they're currently finding themselves, but also just where Liverpool are at with two disappointing cup performances, a couple of little results that haven't got a plan in the league, and, and build on that. Because I think Liverpool should have gone for United's throw in October and didn't do. I would be using that as a real driver from a Mourinho point of view and saying, look, this is what they should have done to us and didn't. We've got to now go and do this and do what they should have done to us and do it in reverse. And I think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to have a great impact on where trophies are going to end up in, at the end of the season because I wouldn't be surprised if either side left this season with nothing. Um, outside, you know, the, the title and the European stuff, of course. But I think this is definitely a game that I class as one of the most pivotal United and Liverpool games in terms of where the clubs go after this. I think it's going to be a real, real pivotal game for that. I think Klopp knows that. I think Mourinho absolutely knows that. And I think ultimately home advantage and form going into the game, you know, the ball's definitely United's court to, uh, to 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 take that and run with it. Okay, Steve Armstrong. We'll go back over to everybody else. See what they think. You ain't seen nothing yet. Been said in conjunction with Paul Senior in the past. Uh, this is the Anfield wrap. <laughs> Paul Senior, Paul Cope, Neil Atkinson with you until half past seven uh, this evening. Unless you're listening to this a podcast, at which point I've got no sense of what time it's going to stop for you. Uh, <laughs> but what I do have a sense of is that Liverpool are going to go to Old Trafford. It's a game that they very much need to not lose. Uh, it's possible that early in the season, certainly if Chelsea have beaten Spurs, Paul Senior would be saying it's a game that they need to win. As it is, we know that Chelsea have got a slightly tricky game away at Leicester, but also Chelsea are coming to Anfield. Things don't feel quite as matter of life and death in terms of winning a defeated feel like a big blow at this stage of the season I, I, I'm going to disagree but I think it is quite must win and more for the reason about Manchester United what we spoke about earlier in the show I think for them to go two points behind would start it's, it's so but fact, if we draw it's still five points yes but what, I'm, what I'm saying is yeah I know what you're saying I think if um I don't want to invite anyone else to our party at the moment. I'm quite, I'm quite happy with Liverpool and Chelsea sort of having that, that breathing distance. Um, we've got Chelsea to come to Anfield in a couple of weeks' time. That I can see that as being a point where I want to be able to go two points or even better, depending on how Chelsea get on, whether they drop points at Leicester or whatever. And that's that's maybe an arrogant way of thinking going to Old Trafford. Well, so be it. I, I, I want us to be champions. I want us. I, I want us to go out and show why we, why we are second in the league and why Chelsea did win thirteen games in the bounce and still got Liverpool breathing down the necks. So, if if you want to win titles, you have you have to go and win games like this one. Um, so we need to go and put. On, I don't think we need to go and put on the performance, but we need to go and, and be the Liverpool that we've seen against Man City, against Arsenal, Tottenham. And Chelsea so far this season, and I don't know, sort of get get back to being the one, the side that 
we were enjoying so much because the last few weeks have been have been quite difficult with Bournemouth and West Ham's and Sunderland's and what whatnot. Because and it's more frustrating because you know you're better than that. You know it's it's not that other side to playing us off the park. May, maybe Southampton to to a little bit. It's more because you know, hang on, Liverpool, you're better than that. So I think if Liverpool turn up and and do the business the way the way they should do, I think we can win. The the game that it reminds me of, the one that's in my head a little bit, is the Chelsea away, when no one was quite sure what we were going to get from Chelsea and the way in which we're still not entirely sure what we'll get from United and they tried to stand off us a little bit early rather than going at us early I mean if I was if I, if I was honestly advising Jose Mourinho I'd be saying I'd be saying have a big first 20 yeah. but it might be that he decides there's another route through the game and listen he knows far more about football than I do but I remember sort of turning up to Stamford Bridge thinking this could be you know this could this could this could be a really hard night for us and it was a hard night we had to work really hard in the end for our 2-1 win but we felt as though we were in control of it all the way through and that's the, this is the game it sort of reminds me of where for instance Firmino was out for that one and you were you were concerned that Liverpool had to stand up be firm be solid and all that sort of thing and and they did they, over the course of the game they did have to but that's the one that's in my head is that right do you think that it, that it needs to be that sort of performance? I think so. Yeah, I think I think we need to be we need to be going into it knowing that we have to be solid first and foremost. Uh, and I'm, we've seen this Liverpool team do that, so it's that's not beyond the realms of possibility that we can pull it off. I I do really I really worry about Ibrahimovic for them because he, even in even in the Anfield game where we where we should have won, but they they started really well and they they did something to us no one had done to us at that point. I think in the way they approached the game. They still could have easily scored with the Ibrahimovic header, and and I think his his presence in this game, if Matip doesn't play especially, could be could be huge. So I think we we first and foremost need to be able to deal with him, and the best way to deal with him, a bit like Aguero, is cut off the supply lines. I think it's a bit more difficult to cut off the supply lines to him than it is to Aguero because a, a he's good, six for five exactly a good cross into the box and he, and he's he's dominating and he's causing you all kinds of problems. So yeah, I think Chelsea's probably a, a fair comparison. I agree with Paul. There's there's no reason why we shouldn't be going there, wanting to win and thinking we can win. I'm not I'm not sure I agree. It is a must win game. I can see an argument for it being a must not lose game, but then in, in the bigger picture, it doesn't matter either way because it's still only January and anything can happen. I think the the problem is if we get beat by them. What I was saying earlier about I think if we need if we want to win the league, we have to win. 10 games on the run at some point soon and I think if we get beat by Man United psychologically it becomes harder to, to convince this group without Mane for the next month that we can start that run and, and start knocking off those wins and that's the key thing I mean it's the the, the injury thing is the, way, is the issue as well no Mane Coutinho on his way back if there's any way that I think I think Coutinho almost certainly starts Paul Senior, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. And yeah. I think if there's any way Henderson can get on the pitch and be at ninety percent, he's getting on the pitch and being at ninety percent. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think um I think even even if he's not even quite ninety, I think it, looking at the way the midfields perform without him, I'd almost take Jordan Henderson at seventy five percent. Um of the Jordan Henderson we've seen this season anyway. Um yeah, I think you've got to try and get Henderson on the pitch. I don't, I don't know what I would do up front. I don't know if that's a topic of discussion. I don't know whether I go with Origi or Sturridge. Should I, I, I'll, I'll rephrase that. I don't know whether Klopp will go with Origi or Sturridge. I think he's obviously going to go with one of the two. I'd go with Origi. 
And the reason why I go with Origi is because I'd want to be able to bring Daniel Sturridge on. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I'd rather. I'd rather they're looking to the bench going. If it's tight, if there's a goal in it either way or it's level, I'd rather all both sides are looking to the bench last twenty, last twenty five, and looking at Daniel Sturridge entering the fray mm. than the idea that Daniel Sturridge is being removed from it. I think the idea suddenly you feel as though you, you know Old Trafford will be going hang on. They've brought on a lad who can win the game. The, the concern is that United have tons of that as well. Um, they can. So that's, to, that's why we need. Yeah, yeah. So they, when when they look to change the game. They can do Rashford. I'd imagine Marshall probably starts. Or they may look to Rooney. They've they've got a, a, a very strong squad. I think the majority of them are fit. Um, it's very rare that United can call, call on all their defenders as well. I think Smalling, Jones, Rojo, Blind, Shaw. They're all fit. Yeah, ba- ba- Ballet's away at the African. Yeah, so that can't be helped. But. Um, yeah, they're they're fully fit. I think I think I was speaking to the Man United fan. I keep referencing to they're, they're obviously a bit worried about Luke Shaw and his future at the club. Reckons Darmian will play left back, so there could be an angle there because he is a right back. But I, I wish I wish we had Mane to play there, you know. So yeah, um, the danger man for them for me. The other one, obviously Mkhitaryan. He's, he's what what I've seen of him. I can't believe that he hasn't started this season with them. But maybe it served them well. Uh, Prediction for me, Paul Cove, both and how you see the game playing out in the final result. I think it's a really difficult one to call, difficult one to call as to how it will play out. I because I, I, I sort of agree with with Paul that Mourinho could do anything. He, he's got the he's got the record and he's got the ability to to pull off a result doing anything. But I actually agree with you that I don't think he can or would want to go into this game defensively and bearing in mind midweek he called on the old Trafford crowd to to improve its performance for the match I don't think he can do that and then play defensively and let us have the ball so I expect them to start fast I expect them to put us under a lot of pressure whether or not they get the goal will come down to, to small margins in that period and then whether or not we can see that through and come back depends on who we've got on the pitch I think I agree with you that Phil Coutinho should start, and I think he will. And I also think, whilst I'm a big storage fan, he did himself no favours the other night. And mm. having him to having him to come on, knowing that <clears throat> Coutinho could potentially only do 60, 70 minutes, and knowing that you switches storage for Coutinho, I think makes much more sense than anything else. Prediction on how it will play out, Paul Senior? Um, I, think, I think Mourinho will throw someone in to shore her up a little bit, I think. I don't think Man United fans... Well, he's going to play Carrick. We all know he's going to play Carrick, and that's fine, because Carrick's great. I, I mean, I don't think that's showing it up. I think that's picking one of his best players. Yeah, but I don't think it's what... I think Man United fans want uh, to to go and show all their attacking Arsenal, you know, where... I I, I think he'll play it slightly safe. Mourinho won't want to lose, that, that that's for sure. Um, so... I still think Liverpool can can go there and get a win. I, I mean, if I was putting a, uh, if I had to put one bet on, I'd probably do two one Liverpool. Uh, okay, uh, good optimism from both Pauls there. Uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see the way in which both managers approach it if it's one one with twenty to go. I suspect everybody might just take the points. Uh, thank you very much <laughs> to both of them uh, and to Steve Armstrong as well. It's been a fantastic Sports Social Podcast Network.